Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I am your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. This week, I welcome Mariko Fairley. Mariko is a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of two who worked with children with the autism spectrum disorder for over 17 years before starting her own private consulting business. Mariko is passionate about helping families work through challenging behaviors, and she's been able to help families near and far by posting bite-sized parenting tips to her popular Instagram page, parenting underscore fairly. Mariko, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's my it's my pleasure, and it's been a while uh, for those who are listening. Uh, Mariko and I actually were colleagues uh, about eighteen years ago, so it's been a it's been a long while. But so, what's interesting to me, Mariko, is you have this huge background in working with children with autism and applied behavior analysis. So I'm going to start at the very beginning. Is just how did you know that you wanted to be in this field and and support families? Absolutely. So I went to UCLA for my undergraduate degree and I was a psychology major and I always knew that I wanted to work with kids, but going into my last year of college, I was really, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my career. And I'd always heard about this awesome psychology class that I just had to take as a senior. Um, It was a behavior modification course taught by Dr. Ivar Lovas. And at the time, I didn't know that Dr. Lovas was this world-renowned psychologist who was a pioneer in the field of autism and ABA. I really just heard that he was this funny Norwegian guy who told hilarious (laughs) stories and that I would learn a lot in the class and that I just needed to take it. So I did. And toward the end of the quarter, they actually brought in one of the clients from the Lovas Institute, um, which was Dr. Lovas's ABA agency. And they brought, you know, they brought in a child to really demonstrate what the therapy looked like. And so there was this little girl, she was maybe five or six years old, and she was wearing a UCLA cheerleading outfit. Uh, good I, for can, her. <laughs> I can picture her like bounding up and down the stairs of the lecture hall, just, you know, smiling and looking around at everyone. And then her therapist started working with her and practicing some drills and some skills. And her language was just emerging. Mm. She was able to start talking. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is what I want to do. And so I, for the rest of the year, I took the rest of the psychology courses in the behavior modification um, series. And right after graduation was hired by the Lovas Institute. And as fate would have it, I actually got to work with that little girl, that same little girl for two years. So it was very full circle for me. And, you know, I was, I was hooked. Yeah. I mean, and so that, that story of being able to, to meet a child, see them grow and really learn from the, the science of applied behavior analysis Uh, That seems like a a common experience that we all in the field get to see all the time. But without the parent support, without the family's understanding how to support their own child, 
is is something going to be missing and is is that something that that has drawn you to look deeper into the field yeah i mean i think that not only does the research show us but common sense tells us that the family is the most integral piece in the effectiveness of an aba program and um you know a lot of times we we see that teachers or therapists are able to get behavior change at a faster pace than parents. It's Mm -hmm. very common. And I think it's very frustrating for parents, you know, as a parent myself, like if you have ever had anyone tell you, well, your kid doesn't do that with me. (laughs) That's a really hard thing to hear. That's a really frustrating thing to hear. And so, you know, my goal as a clinician is to work closely with the parents to educate them on the strategies and also help them work through it. You know, we have to really support and train parents, parents of, you know, neurotypical and neurodiverse kids so that they feel really, I mean, my goal is to help them feel empowered and calm and confident when implementing the strategies. Absolutely. And your experience working with children with autism is you probably had that direct contact of doing that in the home all the time, which you have that touch with the family. You're able to see them engage with their child and see those skills that you might have worked on as a clinician bridge over to everyday life. Was there a breakthrough moment where you made that decision of saying, you know what, I I know what I can do as a clinician. I know what I can do with the team. But I also know there's a lot of families out there who just need those concepts. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, it was the pandemic. I have been home 24-7 with my two kids who are six and four since last March. And parenting in a pandemic is so full on that, you know, I realized, gosh, there are so many families out there who probably aren't used to being with their kids this much. And they have to be experiencing some of the same things that I am. And so that was really kind of the point for me to say, okay, well, I want to use my background and my training to be able to help other families just work through these day-to-day challenges like whining and crying and tantrums and picky eating and sleep challenges and, you know, all of the things, sibling interactions, things that I was experiencing with my own kids on a daily basis. Yeah. And every single example you just gave there, I look at the the world that I'm in right now as a clinician is that it is heavily autism focused. That's, that's my primary patient. When I hear what you're describing and kind of the everyday, every, every child sort of experience, those, those tantrums, the ability to plan and organize or delay getting to do what they want right when they want to be able to do it, um, the ability to sleep, challenging to, to modify a diet, uh, doing schooling. Um, what, are the, what are the core things right now that you see parents coming to you most often with that, you know, your background with autism had already prepared you for, hey, I got this parent training. I would say the number one topic that I am approached about is some form of tantrums. I I really focus on that on my Instagram page because it is such an issue for so many families. And we talk about all the different reasons why tantrums might happen. 
and also how to respond based on the why. So we, you know, there's no blanket answer to solving these challenges. We really have to look at the environment. What's happening around the child when a particular behavior is happening? What's happening before the behavior? What's happening after? How can we look at those two things, figure out why the behavior is happening so that we can change it and, and make it a more positive situation for these families? The consistency that a parent can provide with being able to adapt, to learn new skills, and to create new ways to engage, they have to be that primary person at the moment because it used to be split between school and community resources. Now it really is that heavy weight on a family. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you go back down memory lane for a, for a minute here because I do want to kind of look at the differences of, of how we're seeing with children with autism and what a behavior program is there and how you engage a family knowing that oftentimes children with autism are going to have 25, 30, 40 hours a week of care and a family, a parent can't be doing that intense of a program. So what does parent education look like in a situation like that compared to doing real focused tailor? I'm working on a specific behavior that might be more of, of the consulting service that can really help to empower a family who's just struggling with a, with a challenge that's occurring within their family dynamic. Right. So, I mean, in an ABA program, I think, unfortunately, um, the parent education piece is really determined by the funding situation. And so that I think, hopefully, you know, they've gotten enough funding so that they can have weekly interactions with a BCBA supervisor or overlaps with a technician who's modeling the techniques and strategies and supporting the parents live. Mm-hmm. That, that is an ideal situation. Um, you know, for parents who are open to it, I think it's awesome to provide them with some of the background language and more of, um, you know, the principles behind the strategies that they're implementing. Because I think a lot of parents want to know, okay, well, I'm doing this, but why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. why is this supposed to be effective? So I think, you know, if parents are open to it, we need to be explaining as much as, as um, they want to hear. And I think, you know, you, you hit on consistency. And I think that's such an important point, especially during the pandemic. Probably any professional is going to tell a family, well, consistency is key, right? Like if you want to see long lasting behavior change, consistency is key. And I would just follow that up with, yes, but um, in a pandemic, you know, parenting in a pandemic is so challenging go easy on yourself. You know, when we're looking at behavior change, don't tackle the hardest thing first. You know, we don't have to tackle potty training right away. We can just maybe work on asking for what they want. And that is going to mitigate a lot of challenging behaviors because number one, it's going to be meaningful to the child. It's going to help them get their needs met, but it's also going to be meaningful to the parents. And that's going to motivate them to, to keep working on these strategies and these skills. Yeah, I think that oftentimes is that you, we put too much on our plates. 
We, we try and tackle way too much at the same time, which doesn't allow us to do anything great. <laughs> We're sometimes slimming it down and just saying, you know, I'm going to be really good at these two things for my child today. And that's what I'm going to work on. And that's what I'm going to be consistent with. I can't be consistent with 20, but I can do it really well with two. I think that's something that um, it has a lot of power. It, it, it's, it speaks volumes to being able to be successful. Our field, and you've been involved with the field a lot, I think that sometimes we get in our own way with clinical speak. Um, so how do you normalize for a family a lot of the concepts to you that might be scientific, educational, but to them is, this is my life. How do you normalize that? Yeah, I love that question. I really try to focus on the behavior change piece. And I, you know, I'll ask them, what is something that is important to you? What's a challenge that you're having in your life? Oh, your child hits you when they want something. Okay, let's talk about that. And really trying to get into what's happening in their world and just talk about it, you know, using lay terminology, I think is really important. What is the behavior? Oh, it's hitting. Okay. Why, when is it happening? Great. Okay. Here's why we think it's happening. And here's what we can do in response. Mm-hmm. And the ability to put that into common terms, I think helps with what you were talking about earlier about the understanding of the why and the how and getting buy-in. Now, when you've done this with families and you've, you've really broken it down to a singular behavior and you've been able to help explain to them the concept behind it and they've been successful, I would imagine that feels absolutely wonderful. Do you have a story for us as far as, you know, when you did actually kind of walk into a, a family situation and you were able to help guide them through it and, and even though they didn't think maybe day one, they could. You know, I think a lot of families, whether they're during the pandemic or not, struggle with getting their kids to follow a sleep routine or a bedtime routine and getting them to sleep through the night in their own beds. And so, you know, I've had a couple clients recently, one of them we actually, um, I recommended like a visual schedule for the bedtime routine where there were picture icons for the different um, jobs that the kid had to do before bedtime. So, you know, brush his teeth, go to the bathroom, put on his pajamas and, you know, get a story in bed. And something as simple as that, we're having pictures Um, as a cue for the child actually helped the parents feel so calm about the situation and help them feel more independent. Um, And so, you know, you help them implement it the first time and they really are able to take it from there. And their child is able to go through their bedtime routine, get into bed without the big tantrums and, you know, the big fuss and stress that typically occurs. Um, so that's something that just is so simple, but really enlightening and empowering for families. Absolutely. Don't we all benefit from, from a system that takes away the chance to have uh, the butting of the heads uh, and where it becomes something where it's like, no, we're all just supporting this system that we created together. And um, 
I, th- I think it's it's very important to have that uh, it, at my own home right now. My my wife and I have been working with trying to make sure my daughter checks in her cell phone at a certain time in the evening, just because we know is that she doesn't want to be looking at it at night. But those things are so addictive, uh, and it's like, well, let's let's create a check in schedule. So she just drops it off, and I would imagine just these little things that are behavior in nature are those tidbits that are just going to guide that family down the right path and create the success. And I would imagine that same family asks for your help on 10 different issues right after it, because it's like, (laughs) ah, you helped guide me there. So how do you, how do you do this? I mean, I know that you have uh, an Instagram account. I know that you're trying to normalize the system, but can you give an example of maybe how you would take a simple concept and and make it so that you know the family can access this this little bit of information that's going to be so empowering for them. Yeah, absolutely. So Instagram is tricky because you only have uh, twenty two hundred characters to be able to you know write your little caption, and so it actually kind of really forces us to be succinct and brief and to the point. And I think that actually is so helpful. So typically what I'll do is I will take a concept and my kids uh, give me daily inspiration on uh, things that are challenging, but it might be something like I, you know, sibling fights over toys. And so I will um, create like a picture about you know, what a sibling fight might look like. And then I will provide strategies for how to handle a situation. So um, a lot of times, um, let's say, you know, one, one sibling knocks down the other's creation, right? So instead of the parents swooping in and, you know, pulling those kids apart because they've gotten into a fight, Mm-hmm. what kind of more step-by-step strategies, what I would call least to most intrusive strategies can they use to help the kids work through that challenge together? So one of the things might be for the parent to narrate what's happening. You know, oh, your brother knocked down your structure. You look really mad. What can mm-hmm. you say to him? Or it might be, hey, I notice you guys want to play with these toys in different ways brother wants to, you know, crash the structures. Let's create a space for him right next to you with the same toys that he's allowed to crash. Mm. And so it's, you know, it sounds so simple, but it's using kind of all of these like environmental supports to, you know, basically like you're saying, create structure and rules around something, but really allowing for, there to be some independence within the family dynamic to sort of work it out in the way that their family works best. The therapy that oftentimes is going on with children with autism, it's the same therapy that's going on in our, in our society in general with most problem solving. Um, do you see that same delineation? And Because right now you work with a lot of families that have very neurotypical children and yet your descriptions of what you're doing doesn't sound far different from a lot of the same recommendations that would be going on in the, in the world of treating children with autism. I think there are far fewer differences than there are similarities. I think that the principles 
they sound so complicated and technical um, if you're talking about antecedent and consequence manipulations. But, but if you just can break them apart and say, hey, we're teaching a child a new skill. We're teaching them a way to communicate to get their needs met. Gosh, that really applies to everyone, doesn't it? A different way to get their needs met. Okay, I, you know, that, that makes sense to me. And I think that um, ABA, it's just proof that ABA works for everyone, all different types of people in family dynamics. So with that being said, is that making it accessible, making it so that so many different people can contact it and so many people have access to this therapy. um, There's a lot of vehicles to do that. You're using Instagram right now. What other ways do you see that parents are going to be able to access some of this valuable, valuable resource that can be applied to almost any child? out there. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's so funny when I became um, a new parent, um, I just used Instagram to post pictures of my kids so that my friends and family could see. And I had no idea until I opened an Instagram business account that there is a whole world of professionals out there who are disseminating information to parents and families. And I think it's such a valuable resource. Um, so Instagram is great. There are Facebook groups. Um, and I think across both there's, it's so, I mean, it's so nuanced and you can really like find any kind of niche. You just have to look hard enough you know, mm-hmm. to find your right group. But, um, what I think is awesome about something like a Facebook group, for example, you can pose a question about a challenging situation in your home or with your child. You'll get a ton of suggestions. I'm not sure they're all going to be right or appropriate, but you're going to get a ton of suggestions. And really what is better though, is all of the validation. So you'd said that, you know, like you're, you're not alone. And, and I think as a parent, it's so important to feel like I am not the only person who has experienced this. I'm not the only person going through it right now. So mm-hmm. I think that social media, that this might be a different conversation, you know, it has a lot of benefits and drawbacks, but one of the benefits is that it normalizes things. And um, so that that's definitely a plus. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of families might go to YouTube, you know, so there are so many things, so many resources out there for parents in addition to kind of more of like the in-person local advocacy groups, which I think are also really useful. And what you've described today really puts into context and validates a lot of, I think what we're trying to do um, as an industry and, and at ABS specifically is, is really starting with those concepts, helping people to understand those basic principles before you even get into the heavy lifting. Give the, the bite-sized pieces, feel success get there, really understand that, hey, you know what, I can make a difference and then start taking on more and more of the challenges as time goes on and you feel more equipped. And the framework that you're setting up, I think that families in Southern California and because you're on Instagram, I think nationally, everybody should be able to access this, are going to be so lucky because I think what, what you're doing right now for all children, not just children with autism, everybody, is that you're giving them the chance to be in a family environment where everybody has the right tools. You know, parenting is hard. 
parenting neurotypical children is hard. Parenting neurodiverse children is extra hard. And if your you know, child has additional needs, it can feel so overwhelming. And I think it's really important for us to be patient with ourselves, um, to lean into our village. If you have a partner or family or can get a babysitter, use those people because we need to take care of ourselves in order to be able to take care of our families. I agree with, with everything that you said there. I think that's super important. And I appreciate what you're doing. I think taking a science that maybe was out there back when you started, it was probably pretty rigid in how it was being explored and being able to take that science and format it in a way where now it's benefiting everybody and that it becomes universal. I think it's, it's so important for the field. I think it's so important for the families and I think it's something that every child is going to learn to do on their own over time because they're going to start understanding that they can, they can really change their own behaviors, which is the ultimate goal. So I appreciate you hopping on today, Mariko. And um, is there any information that we can give out so people know where to be able to contact you um, and, and see all these wonderful resources? Oh, thank you, Jeff. Um, yeah, my Instagram handle is parenting underscore fairly, F-A-I-R-L-Y. I'm on Facebook at Parenting Fairly. My website is parentingfairly.com. And you can email me at hello at parentingfairly.com. Well, I hope, I hope people take advantage of all this. And thanks again. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Typically with our podcast is that we have the opportunity to look at the opening of the world for children with autism and how they can be included in more and more opportunities. This week was a little bit different. It, it took a look at what the treatments that are going on with autism and especially parent empowerment to help us realize that a lot of the ways that we're looking at being able to effectively teach skills to our children, give them the ability to be able to adapt is something that you can do with all children. And it's rooted in that same concept, that same science. So it was, it was a fun week to get back to looking at it from a different angle and flipping that script. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all of the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS. ABS is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids, that's plural, dot com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. 